0: is one another four to miss. Admission is free, so be here on Sunday, June eight, five p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Union Center, Augustine. Thank you very much. I'm Philip Emagwale. The modern supercomputer has existed for three quarters of a century. The vector supercomputer has existed since the 1970s. In 1989, the vector supercomputer had a billion dollars in sale. Today, the vector supercomputer has been replaced with a parallel supercomputer that, in turn, has a market size of $20 billion a year. A massively parallel supercomputer that is on the Japanese drawing board will cost 1.25 billion dollars. In real world computational physics, the supercomputer that costs 1.25 billion dollars is an inexpensive alternative to physical experiments that range from modeling the flow of blood through the cardiovascular system to simulating the flows of crude oil and natural gas that are flowing one mile deep and flowing underneath the surface of the earth. I'm flowing across. I'm flowing. I'm flowing across the surface of the earth. I'm flowing across a porous medium that is the size of a town. It is far cheaper to simulate a petroleum reservoir and do so without constructing a cumbersome physical scale model of the Niger Delta production oil field of the southeastern region of Nigeria. The extreme-skilled computational physicist don't actively inject water into the petroleum reservoir. The computational physicist plays a what-if simulation scenarios and plays that game with her parallel processed simulations of the multi-phase flows of crude oil, natural gas, and injected water. That high-resolution extreme-scale petroleum reservoir simulation that is massively parallel processed across millions upon millions of commodity processors enables the petroleum geologist to be confident about pinpointing the locations of crude oil and natural gas. Back in 1989, I won the top prize in the field of supercomputing and I won it for my contributions to the parallel supercomputer. The proof that my discovery was groundbreaking was that it made the news headlines and was highlighted in the June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal. Prior to my discovery of fact of parallel supercomputing that occurred on the 4th of July 1989, I did not have a record of, major, of making major scientific discoveries. Back in, 19, in the 1980s, computational physicists rejected my research on the massively parallel supercomputer and did so in part because they could not understand how I was able to message past computational fluid dynamics codes and do so to and from my 65,000 536 processors. Because message passing was unknown and was not in the textbooks of the 1980s, my parallel supercomputing research was rejected by research mathematicians on the grounds that it was not a subfield of mathematics. My parallel supercomputing research was rejected by research physicists on the grounds that it was not a subfield of physics. And computer scientists rejected my parallel supercomputing research and did so because its computational fluid dynamics components, such as modeling the weather above and below the surface of the Earth, was also not a subfield of computer science. That rejection. Was the reason I was the only full time programmer and the only person that developed the ability to parallel process across an ensemble of 64 binary thousand commodity off the shelf processors that were tightly coupled to each other, that shared nothing between each other, and that were identical to each other. But most importantly, I understood that. I had to record a speed increase of a factor of 65,536. That was a world record in supercomputer speed-up. I had to use that unprecedented speed-up as my performance metric that will put a specific number on my contributions to the development of the modern supercomputer. I did not merely solve my initial boundary value problem on a processor or a computer. The reason I was to cover stories of top publications in mathematics was that I discovered how to solve initial boundary value problems arising in physics, calculus, and algebra, and discovered how to solve them across a new internet, that is a new global network of powers of two processors. My new internet was a new supercomputer de no facto that is a million times more complex than a singular supercomputer that was powered by only one processor that was not a member of an ensemble of processors. My discovery of that speed-up across processors is my contribution to the development of the modern supercomputer. My contribution changed the way we do computational physics and changed it from sequentially processed, small-scale computational physics to parallel processed, extreme-scaled computational physics. My contribution to the development of the supercomputer changed the way we compute and changed it from slowly computing in sequence to supercomputing in parallel. My contribution to the development of the fastest supercomputer changed the way we compute and changed it from counting only one thing at a time to counting up to a billion things at once. My contribution to parallel supercomputing is a paradigm shift in computer science. Parallel supercomputing was vaguely mentioned as a science fiction back on February 1, 1922, and in the book titled, Weather Prediction by Numerical Process. For seven decades thereafter, parallel supercomputing remained in science fiction until I discovered it on the 4th of July 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States. My contribution to the development of the computer is this. I moved the parallel supercomputer From science fiction books to science textbooks. I was the lone wolf supercomputer scientist, supercomputer inventor that discovered parallel processing. My confidence as a parallel supercomputer scientist did not come from vector supercomputer scientists who, in the first place, believed that the massively parallel supercomputer will forever remain a huge waste of everybody's time. My confidence that I could solve the toughest problem arising in supercomputing came from within me and from the command of materials that I possessed. Confidence comes from being the most prepared and the most knowledgeable. Progress does not always come from always being right. Progress comes from not fearing to be wrong. There is a great difference between a scientific fact and a science fiction. Back on February 1, 1922, parallel processing was theorized for accurate weather forecasting but the technology was not then a science fact, but was a science fiction. On July 4, 1989, and 67 years after parallel processing was described as a science fiction, I discovered that, that, par- that parallel science fiction. I discovered that, par- that parallel supercomputing is a science fact. It's, it's a scientific fact. I once asked a friend why he left journalism to become a fiction writer. He said, journalism deals with facts, while fiction deals with truths. In the 1970s and 80s, my quest for the fastest supercomputer That was then hidden in the unknown world of massively parallel supercomputing was for a scientific truth, not a science fiction. My new parallel processed way of counting one billion things at once and across as many processes is a mathematical truth, not a mathematical fiction. The writer is a generalist, the poet chisels words. The novelist describes the human condition, but it's the scientific discoverer that changes the human condition. After 16 years, onward of June 20, 1974. Of programming 16 supercomputers. I knew that no supercomputer scientist was on my heels in that race to become the first person to discover the world's fastest supercomputer that solves a million problems at once or in parallel. The new supercomputer attained its world record speed across a new internet that was a new global network of 65,536 commodity off-the-shelf processors that were equal distances apart. On the 4th of July 1989, I recorded and discovered the fastest possible parallel processed supercomputer speed. After my my discovery, parallel processing became synonymous with supercomputing And became the gateway to extreme scale computational physics and became the solution path to the toughest problems arising in mathematics. The supercomputer is the workhorse of mathematics and physics. My discovery of practical parallel supercomputing was publicly unveiled at the awards ceremony of the 35th IEEE. Computer Society's international conference that took place on February 28, 1990 in San Francisco, California. I did not invent parallel supercomputing overnight. Should we value science more than literature? Literature describes while Science Explains, literature gave us parallel processing as a science fiction story and did so on February 1, 1922. But it was science that turned that science fiction into nonfiction, and did so on July 4, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, the date and place that I discovered that parallel processing will forever remain the vital technology that makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. Leonardo da Vinci was at the crossroad of science and art. The contributions to knowledge of great scientists like Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, and Marie Curie carried greater gravitas than the writings of great novelists like Ernest Hemingway, Charles Dickens, and Jane Austen. Unraveling the mysteries of the universe carries heavier gravitas than telling the story of a person. This is the reason that about 100 scientists have been portrayed on currencies, but William Shakespeare, that is considered to be the greatest writer of all time is not on any currency. An airport or hospital or university can be named after a historical figure in science, but not after a historical figure in literature. International airports are named after Nikola Tesla, Copernicus, and Leonardo da Vinci but none are named after William Shakespeare. The memorialization of poets lacks the depth of that of scientists such as Albert Einstein or political figures like Nelson Mandela. A poem is not as important as the internet. A well-known poet confessed that His poetry is useless but not harmful. The storyteller cannot become the hero of the heroism he is is basking in. The biographical writer's fame is a reflected glory that is achieved through writing about a famous person rather than through doing what made that person famous. Three weeks. After my 19th birth date in Nigeria, I received a scholarship letter from Vermont, Oregon, United States, that was dated September 10, 1973. That scholarship letter opened the door for me to enter into the United States. I received that scholarship, not because I was good looking, but because I was good in mathematics and physics. That first and subsequent scholarships were renewed for 16 years and renewed across six American universities. In February, 1991, the last of those six universities did something it never did before in its two century history. That university, devoted a special issue of its flagship quarterly publication to a super computer scientist named Philip Emma that it described as one of the world's smartest humans. The essence of that story spread like wildfire and is repeated decades later and across social media and whenever the subject of conversation is about the world's Smartest persons. When I was five years old, back in January 1960, I enrolled in St. Patrick's Primary School, Sapele, Western Region, Nigeria. For the five year old, his frontier of mathematical knowledge is the arithmetical times table that was unknown to him, but was known to mathematicians. That lived 5,000 years earlier and along the valley of the River Nile of Africa. When I was nine years old, back in January 1964, I enrolled in St. John's Primary School, Abo, Midwest region, Nigeria. For the nine year old, his frontier of mathematical knowledge was the quadratic equation of algebra. The quadratic equation taught in high school was derived over the past 4,000 years dating back to North Africa. Growing up in the 1960s post-colonial Africa, I had no sense of the history of mathematical inventions. I had no sense of who discovered the time table. I had no sense of who invented the quadratic equation. I had no idea that 30 years later, I would be in major US newspapers for inventing nine partial differential equations of calculus and for inventing the as many companion finite difference equations of algebra that in turn approximates those partial differential equations. As a small boy growing up in the early years of post-colonial Nigeria, I presumed that the time table in my arithmetic textbook and the quadratic equation in my algebra textbook had been known to textbook authors since time immemorial. I presumed that Adam and Eve studied the quadratic equation in their garden of Eden as a teenager in Nigeria. My greatest epiphany was that the arithmetical times table and the algebraic quadratic equation did not spontaneously create themselves. As I grew, I learned that the partial differential equation of calculus were not known to our distant ancestors that hunted wildlife and gathered fruits. I learned that calculus was invented three centuries and three decades ago, and that the partial differential equation was invented merely a century and a half ago. As a small boy growing up in Nigeria, I had no sense that the Earth was round. I had no sense that the Earth is merely 4.6 billion years old. I had no sense that our universe is 13.8 billion years old. I have no sense that humans have merely roamed the earth for only 100,000 years. As a small boy in Nigeria, I thought that arithmetical and algebraic knowledge came fossilized with dinosaurs, that we are the monstrous lizards that roamed the earth and did so from 252 million years ago to 66 million years ago. The contributions to science of scientists born in Africa will increase during the 21st century. And the reason is that by the mid 21st century, one in two children will be born in Africa. My country of birth, Nigeria, has 200 million people and is more than half the population of the United States and could be as as populous as the United States or or 400 million people by the year 2050. In the year 2050, Africa could, could de facto become the face of humanity. For that reason, the African child born today will become the custodian of tomorrow's technology. Nigeria needs more scientists than the United States. If Africa has 60% of the world's arable land, why then is Africa importing food from Europe? The answer is that Africa lacks the knowledge that pertains to science and technology. We have African inventors, but no African inventions. Is there a school subject called African science? Is there an African quadratic equation? Is there an African medicine or African magic? Or is there an African law of physics or an African supercomputer? Why is Philip Emma Gwale famous? Why is Philip Emma Gwale important to the world of computers? In 1989, I was in the news as the African supercomputer genius that won top US price. I was in the news because I discovered how to produce the world's fastest supercomputers, and how to manufacture them from a large ensemble of the world's slowest processors that were identical to each other, that were equal distances apart from each other, and that shared nothing between each other. That discovery from my parallel supercomputing experiment of July 4, 1989, is the foundation of the modern supercomputer that now computes and communicates in parallel. That discovery of practical parallel supercomputing added a new pillar for the never ending quest for faster and faster supercomputers. I discovered practical parallel supercomputing as the new technology that will underpin future computers and supercomputers. To stand at the farthest frontier of supercomputer knowledge was a surreal feeling that gave me goosebumps. On my remarkable moment of 8.15 in the morning of the 4th of July 1989 in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, I saw for the first time a never-before-seen supercomputer. That virtual supercomputer was beyond the computer and is not a computer per se. It is a new internet, de facto. Why is Philip M. Marguerite important to the world of mathematics? Studying mathematics and understanding the partial differential equation will not make the cover story of the top mathematics publications. I invented a new system of partial differential equations that was the cover story of the May 1990 issue of the Siam News, the top publication in research mathematics. Abstract calculus and large-scale algebra We are at the mathematical physics core of my super-computer invention. My contribution to modern mathematical knowledge and extreme-scale computational physics is this. I constructed algebraic algorithms that I used to derive a new system of finite difference equations of algebra that approximated at finite places my new partial differential equations of calculus that was defined at infinite places and therefore required infinite calculations to solve its associated initial boundary value problem exactly. What made the news headlines was that I, Philip M. Aguilar, discovered how to crank up my computations and email communications and do so by 16 levels and by computing and communicating their answers across a new internet and doing so simultaneously within two raised to power 16 or 64 binary thousand central processing units or within as many computers. Since 1989 I gave lectures in which I explained the details of how I discovered the world's fastest supercomputer. Those lectures were videotaped and posted at miagwale.com. Please allow me to present a one-minute version of the new mathematical core of my 200-hour lecture series. On my contributions to the development of the computer. In the 1980s, I invented complex email communication primitives, each consisting of a pair of five subject line and three subject line emails. Each email was addressed to 65,536 or 2 raised to power 16, 16 bit long email addresses. Each email contained a computational fluid dynamics code that each solves an initial boundary value problem of calculus and their initial and boundary conditions. Each email was simultaneously delivered at ferocious speeds and synchronously delivered across. Some of my 16 times 2 raised to power 16 or 1,048,576 bi-directional email wires. Those email wires had a one-edge-to-one-wire correspondence to the as many bi-directional edges of the cube in an imaginary 16-dimensional universe. The end result was that I discovered how 65,536 central processing units can emulate a giant, seamless, cohesive central processing unit that is 65,536 times more, more powerful than one original CPU. I visualize setting up all 65,536 initial boundary value, value problems that mathematically define the grand challenge. Problem and setting them up like ducks in a shooting gallery. My quest was to discover how to topple those ducks over and like a domino. Because I did not invent practical parallel processing in prose, some knowledge of that technology is lost as I translated my new knowledge into a scientific report that is further reduced to is to a school inventor report of the 12-year-old. In retrospect, the laws of motion of physics were discovered three centuries and three decades ago. The technique of calculus was also invented three centuries and three decades ago. The partial differential equation of calculus was invented a century and a half ago. The partial differential equation is the recurring decimal in computational physics, such as extreme-scale high-fidelity petroleum reservoir simulation that is used to extract crude oil and natural gas, and such as long-term general circulation modeling that is used to predict global warming super-fast supercomputer is used to solve the world's grand challenge problems, such as foreseen otherwise unforeseeable climate changes. The high-performance supercomputer is used to increase the pace of scientific discovery and technological invention. The massively parallel supercomputer is used to increase economic growth, and to create new mathematics. My contribution to super-fast mathematical computations is the reason my name, Philip Emma Aguale, and my photo appears in the mathematics textbooks of some 12-year-olds. Students that learn about the parallel supercomputer are more likely to choose a career in computer science. My contribution to superfast mathematical computations was the reason my photograph and the description of my new partial differential equations graced the cover of the May 1990 issue of the top publication in the world of mathematics, namely the mathematician's newspaper called Siam News. The supercomputers of the past sequentially process the floating-point arithmetical operations that must be executed to solve grand challenge problems arising in STEM fields. In contrast, the supercomputers of today parallel processes the toughest problems by solving a million problems at once. Harnessing an ensemble of one million electronic processors and using it to simultaneously and cooperatively solve a grand challenge problem is mathematically similar to also using an ensemble of one million human computers and using it to tackle the same grand challenge problem. Parallel processing was science fiction when it was first jurized. Back on February 1, 1922. Simultaneously solving 64,000 initial boundary value problems of mathematical physics was theorized in the book titled Weather Prediction by Numerical Process. The science fiction and parallel process solution of that grand challenge problem of 1922 was defined as 64,000 human computers, parallel processing the weather for the whole globe. That was the science fiction precursor to the general circulation parallel processed modeling of today that is used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming. My parallel supercomputer quest that began on June 20, 1974 in Kowalis, Oregon, United States, and ended on the 4th of July, 1989, in Los Alamos, New Mexico, United States, was to make that science fiction of 1922 a reality. I was in the news headlines when I made that parallel supercomputer discovery, and did so by did so 67 years later. The big jump in the speed of the supercomputer of today came from my discovery of parallel supercomputing that occurred on the 4th of July 1989. Parallel supercomputing, or doing many things at once, is the vital technology that underpins the world's fastest computers. To invent the parallel supercomputer, was like gazing across the centuries, gazing across the millennia, and searching for our post-human descendants of a million. I once dreamt that in sixty-five thousand years, a super-intelligent five-year-old will be parallel, will be a parallel processed cyborg, a half-human, a half-machine. But yet, that posthuman cyborg had no sense of the history of who invented his or her parallel-processed self. If the history of science repeats itself, the names of today's inventors will be lost in the midst of time. The quest for how to massively parallel process across an ensemble of one million processors was in the realm of science fiction for seven decades. Parallel supercomputing was the unorthodox and staggering supercomputer theory that changed the way we look at the modern computer. Before practical parallel supercomputing was discovered, we looked at the core essence of the supercomputer as an isolated processor that is not a member of an ensemble of processors, but as perhaps a main node on a new internet that is a planetary super sized supercomputer, hopefully. After I discovered practical parallel supercomputing, I looked at the fastest supercomputer of tomorrow. To be a global network of processors and to be a new internet that will be a planetary-sized supercomputer, hopefully, that encircled the Earth. I was in the news in 1989 because the parallel supercomputer that I discovered was a game changer that changed the game of supercomputing. The bird. Sings the same song as its ma and pa. Human progress occurs when we sing a better song than our ma and pa. I'm Philip Emma Agwale. I've fully described my contributions to the development of the modern supercomputer that is the world's fastest computer, and I've described my contributions at emmaagwale.com. I an African inventor invented practical parallel supercomputing that is used to solve real-world problems and that is the technology that underpins everyday supercomputer. The Philip M. Aguale computer is a human invention that is my contribution to human knowledge, but that is not an African invention per se. Thank you. Insightful and brilliant lecture.